Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. This day we look at Leviticus chapter 22 together. And Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons so that they abstain from the holy things of the people of Israel, which they dedicate to me, so that they do not profane my holy name. I am Yahweh. Say to them, if any one of all your offspring throughout your generations approaches the holy things that the people of Israel dedicate to Yahweh, while he has an uncleanness, that person shall be cut off from my presence. I am Yahweh. None of the offspring of Aaron who has a leprous disease or discharge may eat of the holy things until he is clean. Whoever touches anything that is unclean through contact with the dead, or a man who has had an omission or semen, and whoever touches a swarming thing by which he may be made unclean, or a person from whom he may take uncleanness, whatever his uncleanness may be, the person who touches such a thing shall be unclean until the evening and shall not eat of the holy things, unless he has bathed his body in water. When the sun goes down, he shall be clean, and afterward he may eat of the holy things, because they are his food. He shall not eat what dies of itself, or is torn by beasts, or, and so make himself unclean by it. I am Yahweh. They shall therefore keep my charge, lest they bear sin for it and die, thereby when they profane it. I am Yahweh, who sanctifies them. A lay person shall not eat of a holy thing. No foreign guest of the priest or hired worker shall eat of a holy thing. But if a priest buys a slave as his property for money, the slave may eat of it, and anyone born in his house may eat of his food. If a priest's daughter marries a layman, she shall not eat of the contribution of the holy things. But if a priest's daughter is widowed or divorced and has no child and returns to her father's house as in her youth, she may eat of her father's food. Yet no layperson shall eat of it. And if anyone eats of a holy thing unintentionally, he shall add the fifth of its value to it and give the holy thing to the priest. They shall not profane the holy things of the people of Israel, which they contribute to Yahweh, and so cause them to bear iniquity and guilt by eating their holy things. For I am Yahweh who sanctifies them. And Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons and all the people of Israel. And say to them, When any one of the house of Israel, or the sojourners in Israel, presents a burnt offering as his offering, for any of their vows or freewill offerings that they offer to Yahweh, if it is to be accepted for, for you, it shall be a male without blemish, of the bulls, or the sheep, or the goats. You shall not offer anything that has a blemish, for it will not be acceptable for you. And when anyone offers a sacrifice of peace offerings to Yahweh to fulfill a vow, or as a free will offering, from the herd or from the flock, to be accepted it must be perfect, there shall be no blemish in it. Animals blind or disabled or mutilated or having a discharge or an itch or scabs, you shall not offer to Yahweh, or give them to Yahweh as a food offering on the altar. You may present a bull or a lamb that has a part too long or too short for a free will offering, but for a vow offering it cannot be accepted. Any animal that has its testicles bruised or crushed or torn or cut, you shall not offer to Yahweh, 
You shall not do it within your land, neither shall you offer as the bread of your God any such animals gotten from a foreigner. Since there is a blemish in them because of their mutilation, they will not be accepted for you. And Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, When an ox or sheep or goat is born, it shall remain seven days with its mother, and from the eighth day on it shall be acceptable as a food offering to Yahweh. But you shall not kill an ox or a sheep and her young in one day. And when you sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving to Yahweh, you shall sacrifice it so that you may be accepted. It shall be eaten on the same day, and you shall leave none of it until morning. I am Yahweh. So you shall keep my commandments and do them. I am Yahweh. And you shall not profane my holy name, that I may be sanctified among the people of Israel. I am Yahweh, who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am Yahweh. This is the word of the Lord. So as we take a look today, probably the the overall point of this chapter shows up right there in verse 2, that they do not profane my holy name. Now, as you already hear those words, what commandment would this fit together with? The way we number things in the Lutheran Church, it would be the second commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, or Yahweh your God, actually there, in Exodus chapter 20 or Deuteronomy chapter 5. So as we're looking at at this section, you can keep that commandment in mind as you work your way through the text. So what do we see here? The first is the section instructing the priest to... Stay true, honor, treat as holy the name of Yahweh. And the way that they do this is by not approaching the holy things when they're unclean. Now, this is specifically going to focus on the sacrifices, but this would be true in a more generic sense than that as well. If the priest is unclean, they ought not come into the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, to minister before the Lord. If the priest is unclean, then they are likely not even in the the courtyard of the tabernacle or the temple. And this is something that we've talked about with previous chapters, the idea of the the cleanliness chapters, which is chapters 11 through 15. Those are all the things that could render a priest unclean. The idea there may have in part had something to do with the health of God's people, like leprosy, for example. They are removed from the community as long as they are leprous because it is a highly contagious and potentially deadly disease. But at the same time, part of this holiness, part of this uncleanness versus cleanness conversation is the holiness of God, and that the unclean cannot enter the presence of the Lord, just as the sinner cannot enter into the presence of the Lord. That's why the most holy place, or the holy of holies, blocked off by the veil or the curtain, That's why it's only entered once a year and only then by one man. And he has already offered up animals for sacrifice for the forgiveness of his sins and the sins of the people before coming into the Lord's presence. And even when he comes, he comes with the blood of the sacrifices on his behalf. So the Lord's holiness is is key in this, without a doubt. To... Be unclean and come into the presence of the Lord is to 
about invite the Lord's destruction. And in this sense, in this chapter, to profane his holy name. Now, another thing, in addition to the second commandment you could talk about as a family here, is what does it mean to be holy? And we've talked about in the past, it's a, it's a good review question for the book of Leviticus, really. Two different definitions of holy. One is perfect. The other is set apart. God is holy. He is perfect. He is our king, our Lord. So his name is perfect. At the same time, that set-apart definition works here as well. His name is set apart. We should not just treat the name of God commonly. We should not just treat it as we would treat the name of a, another person in, in the camp. We should not treat it as worthless, which again gets back to the second commandment. His name is set apart. It is special to us, among us, holy for us. Now, as we look at this, we could also then talk about the Lord's Prayer, right? That would be the other way to ask a question to your children. Um, do we keep God's name holy today? Do we, do we have a prayer where we ask God to help us do that? And that would be the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. God's name is holy without our help, right? This is the way Luther explains it in the small catechism. Um, but we pray in this petition, that it would be kept holy among us also. So, that's the focal point of the chapter. Now, again, we've talked about the uncleanness of the priest, so unless he has bathed and become clean in the evening, um, he cannot eat the holy things. However, um, once he has become clean, he can eat of those holy things because they have been offered, and Yahweh has provided them to him for food. Keep his charge, keep God's charge, lest they bear sin and die. That's the punishment for profaning the name of Yahweh, is death. And they've already seen this, right, recently. It's, it's been several chapters for us as we've walked through the text. Um, I believe it was chapter 10, the death of Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, the priests who offered the, the sacrifice that God did not instruct. The second paragraph then shifts to the perspective of a layperson in regards to these holy foods that have been offered and set apart for the priests. Lay people shall not eat of them. Even if the priest has a guest from another country that is visiting him, um, you know, for example, a distant relative or, I don't know, I can't think of examples when priests had visitors in the Old Testament, but you can see a couple of examples with kings, for example, Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. So if a foreign guest does come, they still can't eat of it. If the priest is paying a worker to work in his house, that worker can't eat of it. But if a priest were to buy a slave, that priest is then a part of his household, that slave is then a part of his household, and that slave may eat of the holy things, as can anyone born in the house of the priest. Now we have rules in verses 12 and 13 about the daughter of a priest. If she were to marry outside of the priesthood uh, to a layman, then she cannot eat of the holy things any longer. But if she for some reason has returned to her father's house, so she's widowed or her husband divorces her, and she does not have a son who can care for her, then she can eat the priestly food again because she is part of her father's household again. There's a rule, verse 14, about if you accidentally ate a holy thing, and that would be you have to restore it 
Um, you know, for example, if you just took a bite, perhaps you could return that food still, but otherwise you have to replace the offering, replace the food, and give a fifth in addition to it. So we've seen that before with other Old Testament laws. They are not to profane the holy things. If they do, they will bear their iniquity, they will bear their guilt. Now, this could point us to the conversation around 1 Samuel chapter 21, and it's a conversation Jesus will pick up on in the New Testament as well when he's dealing with the Pharisees, that when King David, not quite king in the sight of the people yet, but already anointed by Yahweh to serve in that role, when King David is on the run from King Saul of Israel, Saul attempting to kill him, David finds shelter with the high priest, Ahimelech, and Ahimelech ends up offering David the food, the holy thing, food that's been set apart for the priest to eat. Now, Old Testament law, David should not have eaten from that food. But when you get to the New Testament, and Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about it, and it's in context of the Sabbath, that it's the holy thing. It is set apart for Yahweh, and he can give it to whom he chooses. So if Yahweh sought to care for David, Yahweh can seek to care for David. The Sabbath rest is not some law that man must observe because it must be observed. The Sabbath is a law of God in the Old Testament because it is of benefit to his people. The Lord can use the Sabbath to care for his people is essentially the point that is being made there. So you got that connection, Old and New Testament, together. Then we move into what sacrifices are acceptable. And this is again spoken to anyone um, among Israel, so not just Aaron and his sons, but also all the people. If they offer an offering, it has to be without blemish. Specific offerings even have to be male, as we've seen before. There were a couple of ex exceptions to that that could be female. But here, male without blemish, bull, sheep, or goat. The blemish will not be accepted. Now, where this comes into play in the Old Testament that we know of is Malachi chapter 1. That's the last book of the Old Testament you've gotten to be around 430 B.C. or so. And the priests are sick and tired of the sacrifices that they've been making for all these generations. And the priests have stopped offering what they should be offering. Anyway, they're offering the, the lame and the crippled. Um, they're offering the blind. They're offering the sheep that are sick and are going to die. And the Lord rejects them. He rebukes them for it. He challenges them. Offer that to your governor. Will he accept you? Will he show you favor? Right? I mean, imagine bringing a diseased goat and trying to offer it to anyone as a gift. They're not going to accept that. They're not going to show you favor for it. So why should Yahweh? That's the picture uh, in Malachi 1 as well as here. I mean, that's the, the aim. Um, if the animal is going to be of benefit to you, it must actually be a sacrifice. You must be giving something up of value. Um, that, that sick and diseased goat, that's not of value. It's going to die anyway. The, the crippled sheep is going to slow your herd down. The, the blind bull can't, can't work your field. Those sorts of examples here. So, 
if they are injured, mutilated, disabled, have some kind of a skin disease, whatever it might be, they are not acceptable before Yahweh. There is an exception there, verse 23. They can have a part too long. So if your bull has one leg that's longer than another, then you can't offer that. Unlike, as we saw in the priestly holiness chapter before this one, if a son of Aaron, you know, descendant of the tribe of Levi, who would be a priest otherwise, if he has a limb that is too long, he is considered to be blemished and cannot serve before the Lord. All right. Um, verse 26, that paragraph, God continues to speak to Moses that animals born should not be sacrificed right away, right? Um, it shall remain seven days with its mother, and from the eighth day it shall be acceptable as a food offering. So there is a, a care of creation in that, that the creature would get to care for her descendant, her child, her offspring, at least for a little while. This is good for, for the animal. Shall not kill the ox or sheep and her young in one day. There's almost a care for the lineage of animals in that, right? There's no other practical reason that I can come up with. But seeing that family is important in this text. All right. Uh, the Thanksgiving offering is mentioned again here and must be eaten on the same day, not left until the morning. We come to 31, you shall keep my commandments, I am Yahweh. That I am Yahweh phrasing has shown up nine times in this chapter. So again, the focus on the holiness of God's name, and that's coming up in verse 32. You shall not profane my holy name, that I may be sanctified among the people of Israel, the Lord seeking to be holy among his people, set apart among them, right? They, they can't make him holy, but they can set apart his name. They can't make him perfect, I meant to say. They can set him apart. They can view him as different than all the other things in this world. They can view him as different than all the false gods in this world. He is the God who has sanctified them, made them holy, set them apart to be a holy people and nation, He's also the God who has brought them out of the land of Egypt to be their God. So, law in the chapter, yes, but again, God roots that in what he's done for his people. He roots his law in his salvation for them. We would say, then, the gospel. 